I think it would be interesting to talk about some of the waste data you've put together, Charles. And so, okay. Um, so, so download. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is the latest one. I think I just updated it yesterday. Yes. Exactly. So I was tinkering on this throughout the the past week, and yes, I saw you just made a commit. It looks like yesterday at some point. So I've been looking over it, but I may not have all of your latest work. So, you know, if you want to share any of that while we go through it, then yeah, that would be awesome. Okay. So essentially, just to give you some background here, Sela, you can do freedom of information requests from the, in here in Washington, from the Liquor and Cannabis Board. And you'll get a data dump that looks like this, where they'll, if you're requesting traceability data, so they'll return essentially zipped folders of the different endpoints. So these are the various endpoints of the traceability API. So for example, licensees record their sales, they record how many plants they have, you know, they record their lab results, their inventory, and tucked away down here in batches, we've found that they actually record how much waste they generate. And there's a company, um, Better Carbon Solutions, and they're, as far as I know, the only, well, actually there's a, maybe a second one up in Bellevue or Bellingham, but so there, but these are the ones that I personally know um, that are working on a solution for hemp and cannabis waste. Um, and they have no idea how much waste there is. Um, so we're going to try to make some estimates. Um, so um, really just for fun, but Um, so we'll need this data, um, let me, let me actually, uh, pause for one second while I, uh, load in the data here. So one second here, um, I forgot to the data once again Downloaded some data sets here. The batches, although it looks like it's about one gigabyte of data in the zipped folder. And when you unzip it, you'll see that the data file here of batches is 20 gigabytes. So that's a big, so there's a large amount of data and my laptop has 16 gigabytes of RAM, so <laughs> cannot, cannot read in this entire data file in one go. So there's a couple tools we can use to, to approach this. 
So Charles showed me Dask, which is, it implements the pandas data frame. So it's similar to working with pandas. And so you can think about it as instead of just reading in, you know, everything all at once, you're sort of chunking this. I, it may be that Dusk hasn't implemented everything, but I actually didn't have the greatest luck reading in this data with Dask. Did you run into similar issues, Charles? Yes, so I had to read it in with pandas, save it as a parquet file, and then Dask would read it in. Um, but I was lucky enough that my Mac, like, has an infinite swap file. It'll just keep expanding it until apparently it uses up the entire disk. Um, where on Windows, right, you're using Windows, right? Yes. So maybe, yeah, maybe your swap file isn't big enough or or Windows has some limit. I don't know. Um, yeah, on, on, on my Linux machine, I had to change the size of the swap file in order to get it to work. Um, but yeah, it does not like that file. It just, it will not read it as a CSV. Um, and I don't know if I can like, I'm not sure how big those parquet files are, if I can share them easily. So, it's not the end of the world because, you know, that's why we've got Python here is to sort of make the unmanageable manageable. So, like, so this is um, the code that Charles has written here. So I've just um, snagged Charles's code from here. And I'm, Charles has actually done a, an awesome analysis here. And so, Stella, you may want to go through here because here Charles has actually really just walked through the steps you need to as you're going about data. So for example, you've read in the data and you know you started to look at it. And I love what you did here. Very almost one of the very first things you did was simply describe the data. So just to see, you know, what are we working with here? Um, so we're working with what's this? 37 million plants. Um, so that's a, a lot of plants. Um, and so that's real, you know, it's real cool data that, you know, it's, they're not really, you know, recording, you know, 37 million tomato plants out there. And so it's so cool that, you know, we've got such granular data on, in, on the cannabis industry. enough fawning over Charles's uh, analysis here because we can revisit this here in a second. Um, so just to make this manageable here, just um, for the time being, just you know, for the presentation essentially, what you can do with pandas is you can just essentially just read in a number of rows at a time and so the way I was going to approach this problem, since I've got a limited, limited bandwidth here, or, you know, limited memory, and I'm having problems with Dask, it was essentially just going to chunk it. So just read in 10,000 observations at a time, or you know, can play with that number. And essentially, you know, the, the data point we're after is what Charles has calculated here as, you know, the amount of waste by producer by date. 
And I was thinking, you know, if we group them in 10,000, we can calculate the waste by producer by date and then save that. And then we can basically then read in all those files and then combine, you know, essentially combine that data, right? Because there won't be any data loss. We're just, we're just looking for the total. So we can, you know, break the total up, you know, so it doesn't really even necessarily matter how the data is sorted. You know, it'll be nice if the data is kind of nicely in order, but the chunks can, can split things up because we're at the end of the day, we're just, we're just looking for the total. So, long story short, just for today's demonstration, we'll just do one with a chunk of 10,000. And then what I'm going to be working with, and unless Charles has a more elegant solution, um, but well, Charles does have a more elegant solution. I just don't have quite the, enough memory for it. So basically, You know, um, I'm just going to kind of walk through this stack overflow. So how can I read in a huge CSV file? Well, basically, we're just going to have to iterate over the data frame, read in chunk by chunk, calculate the waste by producer by date, save it aggregate it and then hopefully at that point we'll have just a nice you know a nice series in fact we may even aggregate it further and just do total waste by date that's i think an informative number we'll do we'll you know revisit the producer by date as well um, but long story short let's start here with this chunk um, and just for expedience sake, um, I've just gone ahead and read it, read it in here. Um, so, so basically I just, you know, this will just save us a tidbit of time, but basically Basically what Charles has done here is he's defined the columns that we actually need to read in. So this is sort of a little bit of advanced work or a little bit of a, you know, thanks to, thanks to Charles's foresight, we can kind of leapfrog a little bit. Um, so, so we already know like what columns are in the data. But if you were reading this in for the first time, you may not know what columns you even have. But long story short, we're going to read in 10,000. I'm skipping 2 million observations because for whatever reason, a lot of the observations at the beginning of the data, there was no waste. So just for the just for today, I wanted to get a chunk that actually had waste. So we've got the waste data here. We can describe it as Charles did. So here we've just got ten thousand plants, and we've got the amount of you know, well, let's actually see what, you know, columns we have here. So for example, we've got the flower dry weight, which of course is what the producers care about. But the other half of that is the waste. 
Um, and so that's what you know better carbon solutions cares about. So they're you know trying to get that waste off of their hands and you know compost it essentially um, through py pyrolysis. And so they can you know make products with it instead of it you know going into the landfill. And so Charles noted here that we've got some negative values and so Charles, I ran into just an error when I ran this line for some reason. Um, so, correct. So you, I just approached this as just essentially taking the the absolute value of the waste. So, you know, let me know if that achieves the same same outcome. But basically, there were negative values for. Yeah, actually, that's a good solution. I didn't uh, uh, didn't think about that. Well, yours yours was perfectly fine, um, but I was just ran into an error. We'll see here. I'll show you. Um, well, well, that time it worked. Um, for some reason, uh, the first time I ran it, it, I ran into an error of some sort. Anyways. Um, Either either way either way works. Okay. Okay. So I actually haven't really walked through um, this line here. So let's see here. So let's see. Okay, so here you're filling in the plant stage. Oh yeah, there were some places where it was um, it was NA, and that will cause problems later on. So, and right, and so basically, we're assuming if there's no plant stage given, then it's harvested essentially. Right. Um, oh yeah, and I filled it in with the most common value, which is. You know that's that's a technique that's pretty common. Um, Excellent. Well, this is why it's nice to have you here while we walk through this. Um, find the amount of waste. Okay, so now we're just looking at waste for harvested products. Is that correct? Yeah, because um, if you take all the different stages. Um, you know, the analysis you get is kind of murky. So if you break it up by the stages, um, you get a sort of a clearer picture. And we describe just the waste. Okay, so do we know if this is... Do we know what the unit of measure is by any chance? Um, so at this point, it should be grams. There's a point where I convert it to kilograms, but I don't think, yeah, that's not here yet. Um, because some of the numbers are really huge um, and it just sort of made more sense to, to, to present it in kilograms. Here we are with your analysis. So we, we've sort of skipped over some things, but um, like I said, you've done some thorough analysis here. So here are some charts Charles has presented or prepared. So this right. is better since you have the full data set here. So there's, um, there's a lot of data that's, um, you know, where all the dates are 1-1-1900, which of course, you know, doesn't make any sense, doesn't really help. Um, there's some pre-2012 dates, um, and there's some pre-2018 dates. Um, and this data is sort of supposed to be from 2018 uh, forward. So I, I cleared that out, you know, and I just kind of went from 2018 forward. 
question. I see. Did you eventually just basically abandon harvest date and just decide to go with updated at date, essentially? Yes, because um, uh, if you go up, I explain why I do that. Um, yeah, there's 87, almost 88% of the data has a harvest date before 2018. So it's not really, um, you know, it's not a good date. And there's a lot of harvested dates that are 1-1-1900. So basically there's not really, they don't do any data checking when they add this data to the database. Um, and Sella, you may be able to speak to this, but I think um, my experience with the traceability system, I would go exactly with the updated at date because this is essentially going to be a automatically generated number by the traceability system. Um, as you noted, if they, you know, revisited their harvest at a later date, just say they made an error and then they fix their error, then their, the updated at time would change. But I think that's a smaller error than whatever's going on here, um, right? Because <laughs> at the end of the day, we're trying to minimize our sort of our, our bias or, you know, our forecasting. So when you have entry errors like this that that actually introduces statistical bias into your calculations so you know the closer you are to the true value the better and so yes the updated at may there may still be errors in the updated at times but i think i think as you settled on it's just going to be a much it's a, it's a, i think it's going to be a much reliable measure of time than the harvest date. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, and that's why, you know, rule number one is look at the data. So the fantastic, fantastic work there, Charles, because all you really need to do is um, you plot those. And now we, now we know how we can keep track of time. So, I think this is a real cool chart here where this is just showing the amount of waste generated. I think essentially are these like essentially. By day. Okay. So these are totals by day or by producer by day. By day. We get down to um, by producer later on. Interesting. So maybe some of these are when uh, the larger producers harvest and there's a lot of waste. Ooh, cool charts here. Are these new? I, I... Probably, I've been, you know, I've been, you know, sort of I'm thinking about it and, and updating it, you know, and like, how can I improve it? And, um... this, this is fantastic. I. Um... I haven't seen this chart yet, so I think this you may have added this since I was looking at it because this is exactly this is exactly what needed to be plotted. So, so thank you, Charles. Like awesome work here. So, this is essentially what everybody's been curious about. I don't think anybody's plotted this. In fact, I'll have to share an article with you, Charles. Um, there's an article in The Stranger. Um, Washington State has a, I don't know, like a, I forget what the title is, like Washington State has a million ton waste problem or something like that. I'll share the article with you. And so essentially the, the author was calling around to like recycling places, trying to figure out like what the actual weight of weight, uh, the actual weight of waste is. And, and he just sort of made estimates. 
because like like this data well he he actually wrote this article back in 2017 um so before this data was there and as we found out the data is tough to wrangle so although the data is there and all and as you showed we can calculate them i don't know if anybody has and so this Charles, you really may be the first person who's plotted harvest weight by month. Um, so, so, good work. And so, this is it. I'll just give you my hot take, my first look here. It's incredibly interesting to, to observe this this large amount in 2018 and i want to say that that may be producers essentially entering their essentially initial inventory into the traceability system okay so, i wondered about that actually if you go down to the next chart i cut off february and march and then i also cut off um, January of 2021 because that was incomplete and then I thought the other two were outliers so I think this is more representative of the actual data yes I think I think yeah I think I think you're right this is um and this way the scale you have a, a better idea of the scale um, so just to explain I think so basically the traceability system was introduced in January or February of 2018. And they had a contingency period where they had to essentially enter all because these were companies that were already operational with the BioTrack traceability system. So there, before Leaf Data Systems, there was BioTrack so they're already operational and they're given a contingency period through roughly April of 2018. I'll actually want to double check the, I'll have to do some, because if you look at the press releases, they may have pushed back the contingency period, but around April of 2018 was sort of the deadline to get all your inventory into the system. Um, so, so that's real curious. So maybe people just had like a bunch of waste sitting around and they just had to get that entered. If you look, there's like, there's definitely a lot of pre 2018 dates in some of this data. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they just must've had, you know, entered data maybe from the previous year or um but yeah anyway it just kind of it those couple months sort of skewed things so i just decided to drop them because um, if you after you drop them you sort of see kind of a trend and this is where you get to the art of data science so one thing we're going to be getting to here is forecasting right so We'll want to forecast this forward, you know, 12 months, you know, to kind of predict 2021. Um, my technique of for well, not, not my technique, a technique of forecasting is, you know, ARIMA forecasting. Um, Box Jenkins, where you basically you just take historic data and you basically use statistics to calculate the sort of like a moving average and you just basically continue the moving average out into the future so it's a theoretical and it's it forecasts fairly well with time series um surprisingly well so but one thing if you were doing box Jenkins forecasting, if you included all these observations in there, 
you may get wonky forecasts because the, you, if you conclude these observations, the box Jenkins may like put like this negative trend on on waste, but it but if you really exclude those prior years and you just look at the more recent data, you know it's not really obvious there's a a negative trend per se. Perhaps, but not not like there was at first glance. So just to kind of, I guess, look through some more of your analysis here, I guess before we get um, to forecasting. Um, so this is, so I guess let's just look at the totals here. So. So this is 30,000 kilograms. It's a lot. It's, it's hard to quantify. So what, what would be an interesting analysis is, so actually somebody at Better Carbon Solutions recommended this. So um, I forget the amount of weight he said, but Basically, to, to help visualize this, you may want to think about like barrels. So I forget the amount of weight, but like, let's say you can like fit like 50, like, yeah, like say 50 pounds in a barrel or something like that. It would be, I think it would be easier to visualize if you said, oh, there were, you know, a thousand barrels of waste um, in a given month because you know that way you know people could visualize sort of what you know a thousand barrels of waste would look like like that would be like you know fill up like a warehouse but when you just say you know 30,000 kilograms um, it's really hard to have any idea like I don't have I mean, maybe some people who are a bit more of metric mindset may have a bit more mental framework for that, but I can't really visualize that. But anywho. Um, oh, something yeah. else that just occurred to me that I don't know if it would contribute to the outliers, but at least when I was working at Northwest Cannabis Solutions, um, the folks who finance and kind of like own everything were these Russian dudes. And I remember that one year they lost like over half their crop because they didn't know what they were doing. Um, and so I don't know if that would contribute at all to sort of like their waste production, but that is something that just occurred to me is like, I remember they had really serious issues with growing and a lot of their crop just like wouldn't make it and they would lose entire swaths of like plants at a time. Um, until they kind of dialed it in and got it figured out. Um, and they're a pretty large producer as well, from what I understand. So it's possible that kind of thing can contribute, but definitely for sure 30,000 kilograms is like a wild number. Even as somebody who has like worked in cannabis and seen literally like entire dumpster sized like um, containers of like plant matter and stuff, it's pretty wild. But oh, no, that's interesting. That kind of helps make sense of some of this data because there are some like huge losses. I can't, I, I it's hard to picture, but um, that does help. That, that's yeah, good, a good, like, yeah, good anecdotal story from the ground floor because <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it helps, you know, it helps it. That's what I think we were talking about last week is it's part of data science is telling us the story of the data. Right. 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 And so that's like a, you know, real good story where you kind of highlight just some of these, you know, individual days where, oh, like there were maybe like hundreds or thousands of, you know, grams of waste in a given day, 
and you're like you're trying to even tell the story of you know what went on there and one thing charles and seller that would be an interesting analysis would essentially uh, you could essentially run a regression of this data on month so you would um, you basically do dummy variables for each month. Um, and so then when you run the regression, you basically exclude one of the variables. So you'd, you'd like exclude January. So that way you would just basically be comparing everything to January. But you can ex exclude whatever month you'd want. But essentially see what months are the statistically highest, you know, the, the, the statistically larger amount of waste. Because, I mean, my, you know, Bayesian hypothesis would have been like October, November, but just, you know, naively looking at the data, like, I mean, these jump out to me here. And this is like, like late winter, spring, January, February, March. And then again, over here, you see a spike. And then this is, this is like spring again, where you've got, but this is later spring, like April, May. So I'm just curious if there's any seasonality. Do you think it's related to 420? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see sales spike, um, but I'm curious if uh, that would just be so strange for like waste to spike. Um, but, well, I mean, but obviously see they have to ramp up inventory, right? And it's not an out, it, I mean, there's a lot of this is outdoors, but there's so much indoor production now that it's basically, you know, 12 months a year, you probably have some sort of, you know, every month you, somebody has some harvest, assuming they've timed everything out. So, like I said, there, when you run the, and that's why the regression's interesting here is because when you run the regression, you know, we may, there may not even be, there may not e even be a correlation um, for given months. Um, yeah, it's worth revisiting. I couldn't really see much of a pattern. It just, I think like September through December sort of were lower, but like the peak months changed from year to year. So I don't know um, why that is. And um, it, It's worth revisiting. Um, the world, like, so seasonality, still something we're trying to wrap our, our heads around, but one. Um, so you've got the the top producers here. Once again, I think, and that was just the what the person at Better Carbon Solutions suggested, and it was, I think it was an interesting, an interesting advice because it wasn't something I would have thought of, but um, but you know, stressing on the story, I think. The barrels is a little bit of a, you'd almost have to have like a legend that would say, oh, you know, assuming a, one barrel is a hundred pounds or something like that. But, um, but that, that's how they, uh, they do gasoline, right? So, uh, uh, but, um, but anyways, um, so it looks like there's really this pack of one, two, three. There's really like this pack of seven who were like out in the lead. And then, you know, it looks like these are, well, it looks like this is almost a, a secondary pack here. Well, you know, another pack of six. And then, you know, these, these may just be like, you know, meet, these firms look similar in size, you know. 
This is real interesting. Um, but let's just look at some of the rest of your analysis here while we've got a bit of time. But th this is my first time seeing it, so uh, pardon me for for sort of my hot takes. But we'll, just, we'll see what you what, what data you've uh, wrangled up here. This is so cool, Charles. This is the first uh, analysis I've ever seen. Oh, thanks. Um, and it is like, even to like, you know, a casual like me, this is like, I can still understand and glean like what you're getting at. So I think that speaks to your ability. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Interesting. So here you basically have the top five. So I don't understand this concept of growing waste. Like, what does that mean? Oh, this is like, that's basically like, I mean, so you may know better than I, but I think that's basically when they're just sweeping up like plant matter off of the, the floor. Yeah, there's when you grow cannabis, um, one of the great enemies of cannabis like production is mold and so there's like a lot of defoliation that happens in the growing process to ensure the highest like exposure of bud sites to light because that's like you know where the money is um and so and sometimes you know they cull plants that just aren't making it or um there is definitely like growing waste produced in the life cycle of the plant as well okay thanks that yeah, I mean, to me, this is a bunch of data. I don't always know what these terms mean, and it's hard for me to <laughs> wrap my head around. What is that? You know, what am I actually looking at? And what am yeah, I looking absolutely. for? But um, and I, like I said, like I wasn't super involved in growing or anything like that. So it's possible that the growing waste is coming from like a specific practice, industry practice, or some kind of thing that they're doing. But um, that's what I would assume that they're referring to anyway. Okay. My it looks like the entry of it fell off. So it doesn't look like they're entering growing waste anymore, does it? Um, right, although it's not listed as depreciated in the, in the manual. So, but it looks uh, like it's being depreciated. That would, okay. Um, Okay, so it may, they may not be required to record it anymore. So we'll have to double check. Um, then flower waste, there was like three entries. And so again, what is that? And obviously they're not tracking it or those are mislabeled entries. Um, and then the seedling waste. Also falls off. It also falls off and then at one point, there's like 30,000 kilograms of seedlings. I mean, how much does a seedling weigh? <laughs> <laughs> 30,000 kilograms. I mean, that would be That's like, that would wild. be a lot of seedlings. Yeah, for sure. It looks like, okay, this would make sense. In, in July, of 2019, they updated the traceability system. And so at that time, I think is when they deprecated certain fields. And it looks like they essentially just deprecated needing to record that waste. And my guess is some people just kept on recording it. Um, even though they didn't have to, but then they kind of trailed off. Um, okay, that's helpful. That explains a lot of what I'm seeing. And similar thing here, so growing waste. So they're recording it up to up to 2000, up to July of 2019, and then that one trails off. So. 
So really what we just need to focus in here is this harvest waste. Out of curiosity, do you know how strict they are about um, requiring producers to, uh, oh, sorry, low-key cat emergency. Um, <laughs> somebody tried to catch a bird through the window. That was dumb. Um, uh, sorry. Do you know how strict they are about requiring producers to report these numbers um, and like whether or not they audit them or if there's like requirements by the state for that? I, I don't, off the top of my head, um, I don't know. Um, so that's a, an excellent question. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, it's not that I expect you to know that necessarily, but I feel like, you know, people when they're, when homework is uh, assigned and required and part of your grade, it's a little different. So um, I know for sure that like, at least when I was working for Northwest Cannabis Solutions, um, they didn't always do it by the book, you know? And so I'm wondering if how reliable some of the numbers could be, or if they don't like penalize any of the growers, like, uh, or incentivize their reporting for certain numbers, like how that would affect the overall outcome of the numbers. I think that's an excellent, excellent point. And I think that's, and that sort of drives home sort of a recurring theme of, of the meetup group is so we haven't actually prepared any forecasts yet but that's one thing that i always always hedge my forecasts because as you noted it you know junk data in you know junk data out so it's sort of in <laughs> um, it's true um you can, you know, statistically show that if there is measurement error, then that does bias your results. It, you know, depends on the amount of measurement error. So, you know, a small amount of measurement error doesn't really lead to too much bias. But as you noted, I mean, if, you know, if people are just eyeballing this or if you have entire licensees who may not even be entering it, I mean, these numbers could be unreliable. Um, so I think I think that's an excellent observation and should always be taken into consideration. So if you were doing analysis of this or if you were presenting forecasts, I think you should definitely edge this. You, you should say, okay, producers are pr principally care, you know, they principally care about selling their cannabis. So they, they're probably going to record their, you know, dry flower weight accurately. Um, so I think if any good analysis should bring that, should bring that up. Um, just to, to counter I just always feel, I, well, I heard somewhere that, you know, if you're not measuring it, you're not managing it. Um, so, you know, any, some, you know, sometimes any measure is better than no measure. So I think you should take, take it on face value. So these numbers could be wild. At least we have some numbers. So that's where you know where you get your confidence intervals. So you know, at least we have a measure of how much waste may be being produced, and we can kind of see where it fluctuate. And so, like if you were doing a monthly analysis, perhaps the entry error is the same month to month to month, um, and then you could just say, oh well. We can still estimate the month effect, but we just don't know the, the magnitude, right? Our, we're biased in the magnitude, but, you know, our month effect, you know, that wouldn't be biased. Um, so, but that takes a little hand waving. Um, so, 
So, I, you know, I think there's two sides to the coin. You know, it's basically, yeah, you, I think you need to acknowledge that there's noise in the data. Um, it's incredibly imperfect data, and the producers don't even really have the incentive to enter it in accurately. But, yes, having you know, we need some measure yeah. of the waste. Um, were you going to say, Oh, having spent a lot of time in this data, um, there's no way that anybody could audit anybody. I mean, it is really, really messy. I should, I need to publish that. The, the, the amount of time it takes for like lab results, because I got to a point with it where I was like, you know, I'm just making stuff up because I'm just, you know, I'm having to, <laughs> I'm having I'm having to like fiddle with this data so much to make something out of it that it's just you know it's it's just a made up story. Um, yeah, there's no way this is really the the, the data is really inconsistent. The, there doesn't seem to be anything that you know, there doesn't seem to be any requirements of like you know like checking the data when it goes into the database. I think people enter whatever, and I think that they enter stuff like they don't enter it daily or some people might enter it daily some people might enter it weekly some people might enter it monthly um which i think maybe explains some of those you know where the where the spikes in the the amount of waste came you know like from from you know from april to may because people it's just depending on when they entered the data totally i feel like if anything it's an argument to you know encourage or advocate for that sort of like, I guess, incentivization of like reporting that information just because like, um, I totally get that. I think you, it's really clear even to me based on like the really helpful charts and graphs that you've made that like, yeah, there is, you know, as Keegan said, like a lot of noise in the data and it would probably be beneficial on a lot of different levels to uh, require and incentivize producers to report that more accurately and like for sure based on my personal experience like I said just working for that one producer uh, I you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, it's your your mileage will vary like I really can't imagine that they were uh, reporting a lot of this stuff accurately or consistently um, based on kind of like how they were running things when I was there and how they had been running things before I was there so um, I think you're totally right. And I feel like if anything, it's an argument to kind of like um, advocate for that stuff to have better data in the future. Yeah. So Oregon's supposed to be really strict, but I've never seen their, their actual raw data. So those are excellent points across the board. And, and, and yeah, like you said, Show us the data, um, because <laughs> because you're right. It, it would be like for Oregon would be interesting because it does seem like they have a good handle on their data, um, but I'm curious, yeah, to the amount of noise, um, but. But, you know, it just takes good data wranglers. And so that's why, yeah, Charles, when you're doing your analysis, it's so yeah good for you to explain, like, you know, why things are so mess messy and the effects of it. Like you said, it, you know, it's going to be tough to audit anything because, you know, it doesn't seem like there's much validation of the data. Um, You know, for example, like like a like a like a valid harvest date, for example. Um, so, so I think your analysis here has been fruitful, and I think there's you know a lot of lessons learned here with 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 data analysis. You know, you spend you know ninety plus percent of your time just working with the data and you know you'd really need to be upfront with your audience about you know what steps you took you know like Charles was saying like with the lab result data like you know you can't just uh, 
you know, you can't just squeeze things into a box and like, um, you know, just, you know, wave your hands or about the, the things that don't make sense. You know, you, you have to be upfront with your audience about, okay, we've got maybe not the best data entry here or, you know, not the best incentives to enter the right data. You know, the data entry may be delayed. But I think I'm just uh, just re reiterating what you two have already said here. But anyways, I think you two actually captured the, the heat of things, um, the meat of things. So I think I'll go ahead and wrap it up there for the day and just, you know, let people get on and start exploring the data on their own. But for next week, we can work on some forecasting and I'm going to have a look at, you know, wrangling this data myself because I want to sort of replicate Charles's analysis because you've done an excellent job here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Charles. This is super duper cool. I learned a lot today, y'all. Thanks so much for walking me through what y'all do on the regular. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, thanks for joining, Sally. We just sometimes we get a bit more hands on, but like this data set is giant. So we're a little limited in scope. But it was it's awesome that Charles put together these charts because rule number one. Look at the data. So that's what we did today. So. And they are beautiful charts. But anyways, in the future, you know, if things are more hands-on, I definitely don't mind observing you and Charles kind of in your like natural, I guess, environment, uh, working on stuff and collaborating because I would also find that helpful. So um, don't please don't feel like you have to teach to the back of the class, so to speak. Um, I'm just really excited to kind of have exposure just because um, in my personal like tech journey, a lot of it is just like studying JavaScript or studying um, whatever it is I'm studying. I'm still trying to learn a passion for something. So I think this is definitely a step in that right direction, especially in terms of like exposure for specialization in the future. So I really appreciate it. Well, and it's entirely open. So if we want to look at charts and talk about Charles's analysis, then by all means. Are you going to chime in, Charles? Or? Yeah, and really, your insights from working, um, you know, in the industry that was really helpful. I mean, there's, you know, because when I look at this data, I don't, you know, again, I don't have anybody to go to and ask, you know, like why is this or, you yeah. know, <laughs> but you know, you gave me some good sure. insight, and now I kind of I can have a better understanding of what's going on. Well, I'm glad I could help in my own way. So, you know, um, let me know if there's anything else I can do on the sort of like off time in terms of like getting a little more familiar. I'm definitely like kind of rubbing my hands together and looking at Python as like my next language I'd like to learn. But given how JavaScript is going, that may be in some time yet. So <laughs> we'll just have to see. Um, I think Python is easier. I don't know, but it looks super i love um i honestly love optimizing stuff and i love automating things tasks as much as possible and so python is looking pretty delectable these days <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really cool to see the kind of heavy lifting that y'all are accomplishing um with it so i definitely am starting to like feel those kinds of like connections hip happening um and that's super exciting just because I'm not going to lie, just learning JavaScript in a vacuum is kind of a slog. So getting to see actual practical applications for various languages was like super exciting um, and very energizing. So I really, really appreciate it. Sure. There's, there's room in the world for both. Um, so they, you know, you know, you've got a hammer, you've got a screwdriver, you know, so it's, you know, they each have their own, they, 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 they have their own purposes. Um, Definitely. Yeah. But very, very cool, y'all. Thank you so much again for your time. Awesome. Great job, thank Charles. This thing was so cool. Yeah, thank you. All right, right y'all. Catch you next uh, week. Yeah. Right, have an awesome day. Okay. Until next week. Thanks. You too. Okay. Right, bye. bye now.